This brother was in my youth group that uh, I don't know, uh, but man, I'm, I'm proud of you. He lived across the field from us, and they had a pond over there, and they, they built a fence and tried to keep Josh and I out, but we had a way to sneak in and swim anyhow. But uh, <laughs> he, he has some great parents. I'll tell you, his dad raised a great garden, and you had to walk through that garden to get to the pond. I was always telling your dad I was going to pick him great big onions, but I, I never did it. <laughs> now I wished I had them. Yeah. Scott I Sims. I can't grow them like he did, man, for, that's for sure. Hey, would it, it wouldn't come as any surprise to you that uh, Eddie is a bit passionate. I can't tell you how many times I saw him stretch a single in softball into a triple. Uh, you know, you usually think, well, maybe I'll stretch this into a double, not Eddie. He would come out of the box on a normal single hit and never even stop until a cloud of dust on third base, and these guys were just dumbfounded, you know. It just, he's just been like that all the time, and it's been fun, brother, for sure. So she says to me, come on, Dad, it'll be fun. We'll have a blast. Says our oldest daughter, to her 50-something-year-old dad about joining her in a 5K. <laughs> in case you've forgotten your metric system, 3.1 miles. She says to me, it'll be fun, Dad. Now, mind you, I'm 50-something years old at that point. I hadn't run since college, and even then it was just because some crazy phys ed teacher made us run. You know, but you know how it is when you get 50 something year old and you've got a 20 year old daughter that wants to do something with you, you'll do just about anything to have an excuse to do that. And so, man, I'm all in and she signs us up and we're a few months away. And I, in light of the fact that I wanted to be a few more than 50 something years old, I, I got to get ready for this thing. And so I devise in my head a training plan, and, and I take off on the road one day for a little, uh, get, some, get into the groove of this running thing. And I know there's a little gravel road not too far down the road from us. And, and I knew it was not quite a mile, and I said, well, I can do this. Bad plan. <laughs> now, I eventually got there, but I was thinking maybe I might fall over in the ditch on the way there, you know? It was rough, but I kept at it, and I kept working, and, and we made it to that 5K, and not only did we make it through, but old dad was the one that was having to encourage her to keep going as we made our way through that 3.1 miles that day, all right? And after that was over, she quit running. <laughs> and I kept running, you know, just kind of kept working on it and working on it. And it wasn't too long until our next daughter says to me, hey, dad, it'll be fun. And I was ready that time. Well, sure, let's do a 5K. Sure, that's all you want to do. How about something a little longer, you know? Because I'd invested the time and I'd committed to the process. And by then I had built up the ability to persevere when it wasn't always comfortable. One of my favorite little sayings in the midst of my running these days, even yet, the first mile is a liar. Because <laughs> it'll tell you things about what you're going through and what your body's experiencing that is just like, man, there is no reason. Why am I out here doing this? But you keep at it. You keep at it. And you get into it a little ways, and this isn't so bad. 
I can do this. We're going to talk about perseverance this morning from a spiritual perspective. I have learned so much in my physical perseverance that transfers over into my spiritual perseverance. It's really been encouraging. We're going to find it from James this morning, a book of great practicality, a New Testament book of wisdom, if you will. James starts out no nonsense, identifies himself as a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. Starts out pretty non, you know, non-intimidating. It's great. We know who is writing and who he's writing to. But man, does he start to stretch us right out of the gate. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. James, you've got to be kidding me. Joy? Not just any joy, but consider it all joy. Maybe some of your translations say pure joy. When you encounter various trials, naturally speaking, that doesn't make any sense at all. Because I know you experience life the same way I experience life, and the people where I come from experience life. There is a lot of difficult stuff that falls into this category that James identifies here as trials. And the natural reaction, if you're like me, the natural reaction is not joy. It's something else, you know. Joy. From a biblical perspective, joy should... Did you ever fall off of here? I feel him with my toe for that little lip. I'm glad that little lip is there, all right? So if I happen to get too far, I'm just going to give a little leap, and I'll try not to fall on you, or you catch me or something, so right into that chair. Joy should be a normative experience for those of us who are followers of Jesus. I mean, it's right on the list of the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, which, which teaches us that that this isn't the same as happiness. I mean, happiness comes and goes with circumstances, right? Happiness based on whether you get rain on your picnic or not, that, that's out here on the surface. It comes and goes, but joy is much deeper. It's down in there where the circumstances can't get to it to erode it away. It's like that old church choir singing in your soul, you know? It's down in there. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. That is the only way we can view this when he talks to us about having joy when we encounter various trials. Trials are all that stuff of the broken world that we encounter where relationships don't go the way we think that they ought to, when they can often bring pain and discouragement and disappointment into our lives. Sometimes the people that we know and love the most are, 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 seem to be the source of some of the most hurtful things in our relationships, in our, in our work situations, you know, out there that, my gosh, sometimes it's just unbelievable what can come at us in, in our work situations. And James says, when you're encountering that stuff, you count it all joy. You know, when your bodies get, get broken and weary and and aren't working like they did when you were a young man or, or a young woman. Or, and, and we all know about those situations where even young men and young women's bodies begin to fail them. And yet James doesn't differ the message. He says, count it all joy 
when you encounter various trials. When we embrace this concept, and as I see that in the lives of people these days, I know that God has done a special work in the lives of people who are able to embrace that and say, yeah, absolutely, I know joy even in the midst of the difficult circumstances. My happiness, you know, that outer, it may have, it may have not hung in, but my joy is unassailable. For instance, uh, guys, any of you ever, you know, your wife telling you something and, and because you just don't really like what it is she's telling you, you just kind of get, whoosh, just kind of goes right on. Anybody guilty? You're not going to admit to that? Okay, I, yeah, all right, all right. Well, Jackie had for a couple of months been suggesting to me that when she stepped out the front door, she was catching a little whiff of sewer, you know. Well, I didn't want to hear about that. I think your sniffer's wrong, girl. I don't know what's the matter with you, you know. What's the problem here? It's probably those cats you've got all over the place, you know. It's don't want to be talking to me about that. I don't want to hear it. Because we live in the country, and it's not like I can call the city to come out and find out how come there's a smell of sewer in our front, at our front door. I knew what it meant. There was a struggle in the septic system. And we've lived where we live for 22 years now, and I'd never once touched the thing. Never. I kind of knew the general vicinity of where it was, but that was it. It had always worked fine, and I never smelled a thing. I assumed everything was good. She kept mentioning it, and the old happiness meter started to back off. Compounded all the more one day when I went out and did a little looking around and found a wet spot in the yard and bent over. You know, I'm a farm boy, so I bent over and took a big drag, and ho, ho, hello. I knew I'd found the general vicinity. At that point, the happy meter was gone. I mean, it was, it was pegged on the E. But as I got my shovel and started digging, I had no idea how long it was going to take me to find this crazy thing and get down to that thing. Second shovel, I hit something hard. All of a sudden, the old happiness meter started coming back up because sure enough, I'd found the top of that septic system and it was no big deal. That's how quick happiness can come and go, but joy is different. Joy is deeper. No matter the circumstance, according to James, we can respond with joy in our hearts. The circumstances won't change it. And when we get to that place, when we get to that point, when we begin to recognize that capacity within ourselves, we'll know that God has done some significant work in our lives. But he doesn't leave us there. He goes on and gives us the backdrop to, to this challenge that he's laid on. He doesn't just say, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. He, he, he gives us the, 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 the info behind that that makes this really normal for us. He says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Could have translated it this way, since you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. What he starts unfolding for us there at that point is how on earth can we face trials with joy? When we're in the midst of all that brokenness and pain and difficulty, how can we do that? He says, Well, because of what, what else you know. You know there's more to the story. You can 
see that as a realistic response and lean into the work of the Holy Spirit to continue to produce that joy in you because of what you know. And in this case, James says, what you know is that the testing of your faith will produce endurance. That this this trial that you find yourself facing, now mind you, this isn't the... This is the same as something that you brought on yourself, a difficult situation that has come because of rebellion, and you have unleashed the disciplinary action of God in your life. Think David and Bathsheba and some of the chaos that he unleashed in his life down the road. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the regular old brokenness of life that we encounter that we had nothing to do with. We didn't cause this. And God says here through James that what this is is a testing of your faith. It's an opportunity for you to demonstrate just how far you've come in your spiritual growth. How far have you come? You see, those trials give us the opportunity to demonstrate that. And as we recognize those trials for what they are, an opportunity for us to show as we recognize that and lean into that, He says, it will produce endurance, perseverance. Years ago, I I heard the, the, the origin of this word as James would have written it. It's a little compound where he took two words and mashed them together to make one. This concept of, of endurance is to remain under. So get this image in your mind of somebody who comes to a trial and bears up under that thing and gets it up on the shoulders and remains under. It's not comfortable. Tests my legs, tests my back, makes me weary. And quite honestly, when I find that kind of a burden on me? What is the natural reaction? Lord, get this thing off of me. (laughs) I do not appreciate this circumstance, God. This is not comfortable. I'm not enjoying this. This isn't any fun. I am out of here. Get this off of me. As opposed to what he says here, the testing of our faith produces the ability to remain under The sad part is, in America, difficulty and hardship and suffering, there's no value in that. And we have created life in such a way that when we encounter things we don't appreciate or we don't enjoy or things that are difficult or taxing, we make them go away. We do it. Got a relationship that's giving you grief? Cut it off. Relationships are a dime a dozen. Pastor driving you crazy? Pastor making you uncomfortable? No problem. There's a dozen other churches you can choose. You don't have to stay under that. Got a bunch of crazy people at your job? Eh, No big deal. Get out of there. Jobs are all over, you know? But as a result of our short-circuiting that work of God in our lives, we miss the opportunity to grow. 
When we choose not to remain under that trial, we miss the growth process that God intended to bring to us as a result of that difficulty. Natural reaction is get that, get that trial out of here. I don't want any part of that. I don't like this. This is not what life ought to be. Reality is, according to James, that is one of the primary means through which God brings growth spiritually into our lives. If I had quit running when it hurt, <laughs> I would have never made it to the first 5K. It hurt. I didn't enjoy that. It told me I wasn't what I thought I was. But I leaned into it. I didn't stop. I kept at it. And I developed a capacity to remain under, to remain in that difficult circumstance, to allow God to use that so that I might grow through it. Can you think of a trial in your life, in the recent history, difficult situation that you encountered, and instead of stopping long enough to say, God, if this is here, then I assume you being in control of all things, you being sovereign, you being omniscient and all-powerful, that you have this in my life with purpose. And I'm not going to dump and run here. I want you to use it in my life. Use it in me. Use it to influence people around me. Can you think of a situation, a difficult situation, a trying situation, and have you lingered there long enough to let God really do his deep work in your soul? Or did you take that cut and run approach? I don't like this. I'm out of here. And you miss that fine-tuning of God because then James goes on to say, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Trials are one of the primary means through which God progresses the growth of our faith, taking us on to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives within you. That ought to stir longing in you to be that, to be growing in your faith. I love when Paul said to the Philippians, he was confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, 20 plus years of ministry, I've had to hold on to that promise a lot, not only for myself, but the people that God had entrusted to me, that I knew he was up to something, and he was going to finish what he'd started. The trouble in America today is we don't value the importance of the difficult stuff, the trials, in order to make that happen endurance, that ability to remain under, if we give it the opportunity, it will make us mature and complete, lacking in nothing, not a piece of the puzzle of your spiritual life missing, not a piece. As followers of Jesus, that ought to light us up. Man, I want, 
I want to, to represent him well, consistently, wherever I am. I want all the vestiges of my brokenness to, to be falling away more and more all the time. I want to be more of him and, and less of my old broken self. Mature and complete, lacking in nothing, not a piece out of place. Man, it can be, it can be frustrating to have pieces out of place, can it? I've got a grandma who's still living. This fall, she'll be 102 years old. <laughs> Just within the last year did she finally agree to move in with my mother. And not very long before that, we got a call from a neighbor because Grandma Kate was out in the backyard with an axe hacking on some lilac bushes in her backyard. <laughs> she can't hear a thing. Uh, you know, she, she doesn't see too good. Uh, but she, she does, like I told the gang in the first service just to poke at my brother here, she does like to watch the Cardinals beat the Cubs. <laughs> it brings her some joy, you know, so she... Doesn't happen as much as she'd like. You guys ought to be bringing a little more joy to Grandma Kate, but nonetheless. <laughs> she, does do, she does do jigsaw puzzles. And she'll stand for hours at my mom's dining room table with a bright light on all these puzzle pieces, and she's working those puzzles. And, and, and mom has finally had to uh, uh, relent to going to Goodwill and Catholic Charities and, and, and those kind of places, finding used puzzles because Graham just burns through them. She loves doing puzzles. And once in a while, she'll get toward the end, and man, is she frustrated when one of those used puzzles didn't come with all the pieces. <laughs> this is not right, you know. You can't have missing pieces to the puzzle. Oh, if we were so passionate about being complete in Jesus as Grandma Kate is about puzzles being all there. If it mattered to us that much, our Lord would meet us in the middle of that process, even in the middle of the things that sometimes we think are more than we can bear, things that are going to crush us by their heavy load. That's the time to lean in because that's when he's doing some of his very best work in our lives. Resist the, resist the temptation to run away from that. Remain under, because as you do so, that endurance that develops will, will catapult you down, will accelerate you being mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Oh, it's what the Spirit has in mind for you. It's His vision for you. And He's good at what He does if we'll just give Him the opportunity Oh, and by the way, occasionally mom will find some of those missing puzzle pieces in Grandma Kate's pockets. <laughs> she'll, uh, she'll see a consistent color, a little pattern, and she'll tuck those away so she knows where they are when they're time, and then she forgets where she puts them. <laughs> oh, but the spirit will never lose track. He always knows exactly what he needs enable you to take that next step toward being like Jesus. Oh, he's so good at what he does. Lean into that. You see, we, we, to, re, to, to re, uh, invert the, the process, 
If we start at the end and know that maturity is our goal to be like Jesus and to to grow to maturity complete and lacking in nothing, and that endurance is going to be a key part of that, that we remain under the trial, then all of a sudden James doesn't seem like a crazy man when he says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials because you recognize, man, God is in the middle of this difficult stuff. He's got something in mind. I'm not going to make this go away. I'm going to trust him through it because I want to be like Jesus. I want to allow him to use me position me to become exactly who he wants me to be. It's a consistent theme throughout Scripture. Peter, who was a contemporary of James, one of the twelve, as you know, the impulsive one, writes in his first letter, by the way, to other people who were suffering greatly. He says, and speaking of believers, he said, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. You hear, hear the joy word there? You, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Folks, this isn't something strange. This is something universal to us as a people of faith to be distressed by trials. And we know nothing that, like they knew of suffering. I mean, this is an era where the government was purposely in pursuit of them for persecution and determined to, to, that they would cease to be. And he says, even in the middle of that, Peter says, you, you rejoice greatly. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, look on down the road. Look to see what's coming when it's finally at the end of the journey. And we have invested ourselves in our relationship with God in our every waking moment of this life. And by the way, that's the real emphasis of eternal life, is a relationship with our Creator and His Son, Jesus. Side note, John 17, 3 and 4. Look it up later, but that's where he says, listen, he says, eternal life is not just about golden streets and, and, and singing around the throne of God, although that's there. We can chapter and verse that. He says it's knowing God and Jesus. Relationship with Him. When we set our sights on that and recognize we want to be prepared for that moment when we'll stand before Him so that there will be ample amounts of praise and glory and honor that come to Christ as a result of the way we have chosen to live our lives, man, it'll be worth it then, no matter what it is that you have gone through here, no matter what sacrifices you have made, no matter what kind of suffering you have endured, it'll be worth it then. I told you I'd kept running, right? It's been four years ago. Um, I'm still learning about that, running business. But recently, I managed to complete a half marathon, 13.1 miles or whatever it is. And this picture here might might, uh, not tell the whole story. 
Because trust me, when I got and I came around the corner and I saw that little photographer gal there, the only thing I could think in my mind was, uh, what on earth am I doing out here? I'm now 57 years old and I just ran 13 miles. My legs are tired. My feet hurt. I don't know if I can still breathe. And that's telling you nothing about what's going on between my ears. And it's like, what are you doing out here? I don't really know. You know, But the reality of it was the smile that crept onto my face is because I could see the finish line from here. <laughs> and no matter how much suffering I've done from the beginning to this point, finish line always looks good. One of these days, our journey here is going to be done. And if we will join with James, learning the importance of of endurance, of remaining under those trials so that our faith it becomes mature and complete, lacking in nothing, then when we stand before him, it will be a continuation of the joy that we've experienced all our lives, and the reality of it will be that we will have known in, in person the truth that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. No doubt about it. I like Old Testament characters because I find myself in a lot of them. They're just very real. It doesn't glamour them up. You know, it just gives us the straight stuff. And there's a particular group of Old Testament characters that I have a great deal of respect for as the prophets, because the prophets were a special group of people that God sent along late in Israel's experience as a national people group when they were way off track. You know, they had rebelled against God. They were doing so consistently, and God would send these prophets along to get in their face and say, what are you guys doing out here? This is not God's way. As a result, they weren't real appreciated. And can you imagine how discouraging it could be at times to be a prophet with a message from God knowing that in all likelihood nobody was going to want to hear it? Years and years ago, I ran across a little, a little dab of encouragement and challenge both ways that came to Jeremiah from our Lord. And he says to him, if you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? For many years, that concept has encouraged me in the midst of difficulty that if God was allowing this trial to come into my life, he had purpose for it. It was preparing me for something else. Right now, he was just challenging me to run with a guy in a foot race, but there was going to come a day if I would commit myself to that, that I'd be ready to run against a horse. And if I was willing to be faithful in the midst of this land of, of peace, the day would come where I would be fit to enter into the thicket of the Jordan and represent him there. God's got purpose in whatever trial it is that you find yourself in today. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, he's got purpose in it. Don't let 
the difficulty of the moment rob you of what you know about who God is first and how He works second. He's got purpose. What He allows, He has purpose for. Preparation. Oh, it's encouraged me time and time again, you know, to suck it up, buttercup, and keep rolling here. Got work for you to do. Got plans for your life. But the other reality of it that is here is there's potential, as he acknowledges, for us to get tired and to fall down in the midst of those difficulties. The reality of it is, I would be naive to think that some of you haven't encountered already trials that have had that effect on you. Oh, you, would still, you still love Jesus. You're still here. You know, you, you, you're serving. You're doing things. But something happened back there somewhere. A trial came. And as opposed to you learning the, the process of persevering through it, you got tired and you sat down. And your growth stopped right there. I want to encourage you. He is with you. He has not forgotten where you are. He's just waiting for you to re-engage, waiting for you, as this last song is going to encourage us, instruct us, just waiting for us to call out to him again. He's not gone anywhere waiting to work his plan in your life in spite of the difficulty of the circumstances that you find yourself in. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for this time to share together. Thanks for the truth of your word and the application of it to our lives. Lord, trials are universal. This is a broken world. Things do not work the way you designed them to. And while you're in the process of redeeming and restoring Your default settings, God, we're stuck in this place. And yet, in the midst of all the brokenness, Lord, you meet us and enable us. And you mature us. Help us to recognize that process and to lean into it and to welcome that work. Give us great passion, Lord, to grow and mature, to be complete, lacking in nothing. And help us to see how trials are precisely a part of that plan. In Jesus' name I pray, and amen.